The Soccer Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by the SGPN app. The SGPN app is completely free to download and home to all your favourite SGPN podcasts, contests and picks. Just type SGPN in your app store today and download America's number one DGEN app. Here's the dangerous Coman. And on the shot from Kane, which Anana comfortably gets down to save. Anthony's flick. Scott McTominay. Anthony, good strength. Bruno Fernandes. Looking to play it through to Hoyland and Kim got back in the nick of time for Bayern. There's space if you get it right. Bayern Munich, they give you they give you a chance. Anthony back to Bruno Fernandez. And then Shaw. A bit of space here for the England left back. He's gonna hit one Shaw. No chances taken by Neuer. Sane. Musiala. Sane gliding through, brilliant run, Maguire was there, and so was Dallo. It looked for all the world as though Sane had to score. Oh, they do brilliantly, Sane and Musiala. Musiala onto Kingsley Coman, and here come Bayern Munich on the counter-attack. Coman whips it in, good chance! It should have been better from Leroy Sane in all reality. Manchester United survived it, but only just. Dallow Fernandez now McTominay Garnacho with the cross Kim slides it away McTominay trying to come onto it Lima was there for Bayern Munich Bruno Fernandez has got it back again shooting as well dragging it wide yeah, really good press from Bruno Fernandez. Goretzka turns it back inside towards Muller on by Kane here's the chance for Bayern Munich 1-0 Kingsley Coman with the goal and that might just be the goal to end Manchester United's participation in the Champions League and maybe end their participation in European football this season yeah we said they could step it up Fletch and they did just that comfortable possession in towards Kane with a free header I think the only surprise was he didn't find the target and there is the full time whistle and Manchester United's elimination from Europe is confirmed and there are boos at full time it's another problem for Eric Ten Hag you are listening to Bet MEFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow Bet MEFC on X at Bet MEFC 
That's at BetMFC. The Soccer Gambling Podcast is on X at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. We're on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, who you can follow on X at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. You can also follow that account at Gambling Podcast. That's at Gambling Podcast. Finally, you can also follow my other X account as well. That one is at X. That's at X. That one's significant because I post free plays on that account. And most importantly, I post my monthly PL, my monthly profit and loss spreadsheet. And so far, I have delivered 126 months in a row of transparent and trap profit. And we are well on the way to month number 127. My Champions League futures so far this season got some pending, but so far this season, they have delivered and gone six and one. My NFL season so far has been blistering. We have delivered 12 winning weeks out of 14. Got off to a winning start for week 15 as well yesterday with the Raiders covering a three-point spread. So we are just absolutely on fire and well on the way to month number 127. The profit is transparent and tracked because there's a spreadsheet for every month. The pin tweet on the account lock at LockBettingX. It's always the PL from the previous month, but all the other spreadsheets are on the account if you scroll down, or you can just find them conveniently over at lockbetting.com. Once you are happy with what you see, once you've done that due diligence, which I encourage, you can then sign up for the service by signing up at lockbetting.com or going to our Gumroad account. Or if you have any questions, you can fire them at me at X. That's at X. When you look through my spreadsheet, you'll see I am a transparent and tracked handicap transparent and tracked handicapper who also manages a bank roll sensibly. You won't see five unit plays on there, 10 unit plays, well plays, max plays, player of the year. None of that garbage. None of that monopoly mo- monopoly money nonsense. Just real bets for real people who are actually making a real profit on a monthly basis. So moving on with this episode of Bet MUFC, I- I've run out of things to say. I really have. Um, I'm going to let Peter Schmeichel talk for me in a second because there is a very, very incredible clip that I wanted to post where Schmeichel and Ten Hag just go at it, where they just see completely different things. And I like Eric Ten Hag, but in order to protect these players, and I don't hold him responsible, I hold them responsible, I hold the club responsible, I hold the general text-toxic nature of Man United in the modern-day era responsible, but he is now moving on to looking like he's deluded. He's now borderline delusional, which I don't like to see. He's going all out to protect his players, but his players aren't protecting him. Because I don't believe, genuinely, that Eric Ten Hag believes the things that he's saying anymore. You cannot defend these players. You cannot say that that was a good performance. You cannot find positives in the game between Bournemouth and this game. We did not control any of the game. Bayern Munich beat us in second gear. Had they gone up the gears, this would have been a lot worse for us. And yet they still won the game using this as a training exercise. There are no positives. There's no need to look for positives. There's no need to protect these players any longer. I would rather see Eric Ten Hag go out and go out fighting and go out being honest and just not giving a fuck rather than protecting these players and being the scapegoat for them and losing his job just like everybody else. There is a pattern here developing with Manchester United in terms of having that new manager bounce and then in the second or third season throwing that manager under the bus, not liking their training methods, not liking the way that they've spoken to. We don't like you. 
we don't like the players. We don't like your attitude. We don't like your effort levels. We don't like your social media conduct. We don't like the fact you don't fucking run. We don't like the fact that you have seven of the 10 highest paid players in the Premier League and this is what you deliver. And this is the problem with Man United. It's the structure. It's the, it's the whole club through on through. It's the training. It's the, it's the marketing. It's the ownership. It's, it's just fucking horrendous. And, for Ten Hag to come out here and defend these players, I think it actually makes Eric Ten Hag look bad. So I have dug up this clip where Schmeichel just goes toe-to-toe with Eric Ten Hag, and I'm going to play it in a second. Before I do that, let me take a quick pause here to tell you guys about price picks. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. A league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. So, for example, you can take LeBron James and Travis Kelsey and you can take a combo of 10.5, three points made and receptions. So, let's say LeBron's line is set at two and a half and Kelsey's line is set at seven and a half receptions and you took the over, you would need them to combine for 11, 11 combined. You would need Kelsey to get probably eight receptions, I would say, and Rabon, LeBron to get the three three-pointers because I don't think he's, be, he's going to be getting you more than that. So you can either choose to go over or you can choose to go under that 10 and a half. This is just one example of a type of combination that you can do at Price Picks. Price Picks is actually the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. And now with the basketball season as well, you can combine that with it. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on the projected stats and place with your entry. You can also play alongside some of Price Pick's favourite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You can now find community plays under the promo tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest name names in the prize picks community each and every week price picks also offers you a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured so for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second that player will be rebooted price picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy so if you want to get involved, head over to prizepicks.com slash SGPN and use the code SGPN for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash SGPN and the code SGPN. Prizepicks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Let me also utilize this pause to tell you guys about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball and college football. So you can pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and you can cash in. So watch along, make your picks and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with our promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy and the promo code SGPN. No. 
we talked about uh, it didn't go the way we talked about in the, in, before the game um, it was like today and I don't know if you agree with me but it was like today the players were not really there to, to, uh, to answer this big question how did you see that? No, I think uh, the team performance was okay. I think as a team, um, I think we defending organization, pressing organization was good. We we brought uh, Bayern in problems. We kept them away from our box. Uh, they didn't create many chances. Also, we have to acknowledge we also we didn't create so many chances. But especially, I think uh, first part of the second half we create some and some from high ball regains. Also, one I think was brilliant outplayed in the building up with Bruno Fernandes with the cutback from uh, Aaron Van Bissaka. Yeah, um, I think about the performance. Um, I I can't see. That it was, um, of, uh, I have to say, it was okay. Eh? But uh, if you want to win a game, of course, then you have to score a goal, and then you have to come to more uh, uh, shots on goal. And you, you have to produce more chances. And it's like when you're watching it from the outside, it's like there are certain players, especially today, maybe not over the course of the season, that were playing for themselves. They were trying to be the winner of the game, whereas sometimes. You know, passing the ball to Tukasmus, for instance, would have been a better option. It seems like he's not really in the game. It, is that something you need to work on now? You find you're not in Europe anymore. You have the time to do that. Is that something you're going to work on on the game? Uh, I haven't seen it that way. I'm sorry. Um, I think the team worked very good together. There was a good spirit. I said we uh, in the togetherness. We won a lot of balls. And then, yeah, we didn't take the benefit from it always to to produce uh, some some end product, and we hadn't uh, so many uh, shots on target. That is what we have to acknowledge. But I didn't see that we uh, didn't want to give the ball to each other. Absolutely not. And uh, just lastly, here, Luke Shaw came off at halftime. It was very clear that Harry had to come off. Uh, what's the situation with the two players? No, I can't say in this moment. We have to wait um, minimum 24 hours. Uh, then we have a uh, right uh, diagnose. So uh, in the moment, uh, nothing to say about. And then small case of Liverpool and on Sunday at Anfield. Uh, but uh, we'll take that in two days' time. We're not going to talk about that now. But thank you very much for, okay, for this and, and good luck. Okay. Okay. That was fucking frosty. That was awkward. And that, I think, is the most concerning interview so far. The fact that he can find ways to defend that performance, to defend these players. I understand to a certain degree that he has to, but he's starting to look delusional. And if you start to look delusional, that makes you look like you're wrong for the job and the players will win again by getting another manager sacked and another one will come in. But I don't see how this is a win for the players at all because your careers are just disintegrating and fading away. Maybe you just do this for money. Maybe that's the case. Maybe the commercial benefits and the, and the wages and whatnot and the, the high regard that these deluded supporters continue to hold in as they pin their hopes to you at the start of every season before we get to this point where it's all done and dusted um, by Christmas. Maybe that's enough for you. Maybe the fact that Luke Shaw hasn't got a Premier League winner's medal is fine for him. The fact that Varane's going to come here and not get one is fine for him. Perhaps the it's the same for um, David De Gea throughout his career, who won very few things despite being at Manchester United as long as he was. And the era before him where we had uh, Schmeichel and Edwin van der Sar were far more successful goalkeepers in terms of what they actually achieved. 
but De Gea was getting a nice big pay packet. Perhaps that was enough for him. Perhaps it's enough for Bruno Fernandes. I would think it would be tragic if a player of that quality wasn't wasn't able to win something. Maybe it's fine for your Lingards, who's obviously gone, your Rashfords, your Martials, to not run, to not try, to not care, to be more interested in where they go out and the cars that they drive and celebrating their birthdays. And it's just fucking toxic. I'm just so sick of it. I'm not even interested. I'm beyond caring. I sat there during the, the, the Bayern Munich game, numb, in like a trance state where the game was going by and I couldn't really tell you the minute we were in. I was I was vaguely keeping tabs on the situation in the other game, but it was pointless because we never looked like we were going to score a goal. I'm, I'm done. I'm drained. I'm mentally drained by this fucking team. Drive, I'm drained by the drive down from London to Manchester. I'm not motivated to make it. My kid is disinterested. I'm disinterested in these players. He's disinterested in um, merchandise and autographs and and things that keep you interested as a kid because it's the opportunity to rub shoulders with your heroes, except they're not heroic. They're weak. They're pathetic. They're greedy. They're lazy. They're, they're delusional. They are not people that you look up to and, and want to support. There's nobody's, there's nobody's name that you would want on the back of your shirt. If you were to ask for a Man United shirt at Christmas as a child, who would you be pinning your hopes to? Who would you want to represent on your back? None of them. Not a single one. Not Bruno Fernandes crying about every single decision. Not Rasmus Hoyland not scoring a goal. Not Garnacho, who, yes, scored that overhead kick but hasn't built on it once again. Not Marcus Rashford, who is supposed to... His greatest achievement is supposed to be the fact that his marketing team decided to pretend that he was feeding children, not Varane and Casemiro, who have come here and become different players, um, decided to get a nice payout towards the end of their careers. Not Andre Unana, who is a massive downgrade on David De Gea and actually has Man United fans regretting the fact they wanted De Gea out of the club. Not not, not Shaw, not Wan-Bissaka, not Diego Dallo, not Harry Maguire, not Lissandra Martinez. Uh, the only name I can even, I was about to say, was on my lips and I think it's harsh, it would be Scott McTominay. Um, I don't think Scott McTominay is, is is blessed with incredible talent, but he's fucking hard. He's a hard-working player who's obviously got himself into the right position to score goals. There is some talent there, but you're reaching if you think that's a Man United talent. You're reaching if you think that a lot of these players are Manchester United talents. In fact, there's a Man United talent who does exist, but he's going, he's out in Hatafe playing over there because of obviously the incident that happened. But he has the natural talent to, to become a future Man United player. And even those players that do come here as Man United players that are fit to represent the badge, like Bruno Fernandes, obviously was very good for a couple of seasons, but he struggled in the Premier League. One thing I said about Fernandez this week was I believe that it's unfortunate that he's at Man United because if he could get himself a transfer to AC Milan or Inter Milan or, or Juve or Barcelona or Real Madrid or, or Bayern Munich, he would absolutely shine at those clubs without the physicality of the Premier League because he's overwhelmed by it and he's 
obviously not giving decisions because the referees see through him or they've or they've seen enough of him or they're fed up of him and it's the moaning and it's the previous diving and it's the and it's the track record that he has the reputation that he has that he can't beat and now it's got to the point where he's just continuously crying and sulky he he didn't from his from his point of view he didn't go and do the work that he needed to do this was a physical league there was a point where fernandez should have had that realization and should have worked on on his body and his frame and his physical side of the game but instead he decided to continue to play victim and whilst he was more dangerous in his first couple of seasons when those decisions were going his way, when people were afraid to tackle him when he was dribbling, when he was able to pop off shots and, and, and create moments. That now has kind of faded away to Fernandez being this player who you don't want in the trenches. And if you don't want him in the trenches, he's not a Man United captain. And And I don't usually pick on him, but he's the way he's been this season is kind of symptomatic of the issues at Manchester United. He's he's a symbol of the type of players that we've tried to sign. And whilst being great for a couple of seasons, he now is equally as part a big part of the problem as everybody else. I believe that he wants to win more than other people. I don't believe that he's necessarily stealing a wage, but I also believe that Manchester United and the Premier League on the whole isn't the right place for Bruno Fernandes. Perhaps if he'd gone to maybe a Manchester City um, Pep Guardiola would have recognised his shortcomings because that's what Pep does. I don't like Pep Guardiola. I don't like Jurgen Klopp. But what they do do is recognise what they have um, and how players, even if they seem like they're a finished finished article when they come in, they decide that they need to make them better. They decide that they need to tweak more. They decide that there can be more in order to adjust to this league if you're going to win Champions Leagues and you're going to challenge every season then players need to get better and those that don't like Leroy Sané and Raheem Sterling as good as they are they get shown the door and even if you come from Aston Villa and you're Jack Grealish and you're the number one man there Pep Guardiola will try to change you if you're if you're Doku who looks like a raw talent Pep Guardiola will will find what Doku needs to be needs to do to become a raw talent from being a raw talent to becoming a potentially world-class player even Erlen Haaland who is a goal machine can come to Manchester City and have arguments with Pep Guardiola about Pep Guardiola wanting more even from Erling Haaland wanting more from a goalkeeper like Edison drastically improving the defensive capabilities and and the, 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 what he does with the ball with John Stones um, he's turned Rodri into the best holding midfielder on the planet. No no, no doubt about it. I know a lot of people talk about Mbappe and Haaland and these players being the best player in the world and, and, and being future Ballon d'Or winners. If Rodri doesn't play, statistically Manchester City don't win or they win a lot less. There's nobody that has the statistical impact at a club than, more, more than Rodri does. And um, the fact that he's so relevant is a testament to Guardiola who actually played in that position. So perhaps he's been... Um, more helpful with that, but um, but yeah, it's it, we're just not getting that at Man United. These players are not improving. Marcus Rashford hasn't improved for years, and it's just I'm sick of it. I'm sick of watching it. Um, I've deliberately made an effort to get this show out as early as possible because I want to talk about the Liverpool game. I have a lock on that game. The EPL lock this week comes from Liverpool and Man United at Anfield, and we're going to move on to it shortly. Before we do that, we are going to listen to Eric Ten Hag again. And before we do that, I'm going to take a quick pause here to tell you guys about Hall of Fame bets. 
You can stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bets app or visit hofbets.com and use the code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching and start winning with Hall of Fame bets. Um, yeah, so why did this happen? Huh? And uh, and it's, I would say um, it's a symbol today and we have to make subs uh, and we're losing players and we're losing also players who are uh, very decisive for our game who can make um, the, the difference and, and I think that was in many games also the, the case uh, in this campaign that we not always had the players available who wanted to play and uh, that's definitely a part but um, now I give you a reason uh, but don't see it as an excuse uh, because even when we are not all on board, then we still have to win because that is um, the targets uh, who belong to Manchester United. But when the team is as bad as this and the manager's coming out and telling you that actually we did pretty well, it's time, it's over. I can't, how can you follow a guy who is blatantly, and that's the problem, he's either blatantly lying to you or he doesn't know what he's doing. Always saying one thing to the media and another within the confines of a dressing room. But again, Dan, if, you, if you're saying what is blatant to anybody that what you're saying is completely and utterly wrong, mm. which I believe what he's talking is, is absolutely wrong, I haven't heard anybody else that's actually agreed with his assessment, but this is not the first time he's come out and told us this. He continually tells us how well they're doing. And if I remember rightly, that's exactly the path Solskjaer went. After every game, they were getting better, we're getting better, we're getting better. Well, and, and eventually he went. Ten Hag has to go. Come on. Man, so, this is Manchester United. There's a, there's a reason why we're talking about them all the time. Because they're so huge. They're such a huge, big club. That's why we talk about them. And there's no way that anybody can think that these results and these performances are okay. And at the end of the day, you can't get rid of the whole team. The one guy you can get rid of is the manager because somebody else might be able to make something of this law. I, I, listen, I, Graham Potter went to an equally dysfunctional club in Chelsea and didn't do an awful lot. Um, you want somebody, and I'm not sure there is that somebody out there, who can manage kind of the dysfunction that is Manchester United right now. What do this, what do they do? What does this club do now? Well, the first thing... The first thing they can't do is sack the manager. Right. They've done that. They've done that. And, 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 and I was part of David Moyes' staff. You know, David Moyes came in, five-year contract, ten months later sacked. And I, and I witnessed firsthand there because I'd been a player there. I'd, I'd seen some great times there. I'd seen, I'd seen what great looks like with a great manager. And then when David Moyes came in and I went in with him, I was absolutely amazed with what I saw. The recruitment processes, the, the, the fact that they're more interested in the commercial side of the club and making money rather than what happened on the pitch. Then Marino, then Van Gaal, then Ranić, then, then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And, and I think, I remember when Ranić left, I think they got beat one game and, and he left something on the club in terms of this club is not going to be successful unless it sorts itself out. And I think Man United need to sort itself out. And it's not just the manager. The manager's the last thing they need to sort out. They need to sort out from top to bottom. The training ground is old. The stadium is falling to bits. The ownership don't know what they're doing. The ownership want to sell, but they only want to sell a little bit. Who's in charge? Who, who, who runs recruitment? Every other club I see in that top, top half of the league, 
their club is being run better than Manchester United. Manchester United is one of the biggest clubs in the world. To play for Manchester United is one of the most difficult things in the world. Why? Pressure, expectation, the history of the club is so difficult. And I, and I just feel at this moment in time is that just keep changing the manager, getting rid of players. It's just that they need to sort out what's going on at the top, and then filter it down, and it'll, it'll all look after itself. But at this moment in time, getting rid of Eric Ten Hag is fundamentally the wrong thing to do. Why? Because he's trying to change the culture. He's got rid of players that are not fitting in with the culture and discipline that's required to play at Manchester United. So why get rid of a man that's actually trying to do the things that really the most successful manager in the history of the club did so well? There are clips for days. There are opinions for days. There are clips for days. Everybody's kind of making the same points. But honestly, we could just do an entire clip show and it'll be fascinating and I'll integrate more clips from more different people as we move forward because there's no point now listening to Ten Hag talking up these players, trying to find positives, journalists asking stupid questions that have obvious answers. There's just no point filling the show with that. There's so much more content far and wide if you actually look for it and especially now where people are somewhat saying the um, the same thing, but obviously it's coming from different sources and whatnot. It's just not Skulls and Rio, who, who did have a lot to say after the game on BT, but we, we've heard from them multiple times, so I went kind of um, for some different voices there. But it's just not good. And as I said, as a supporter, it's absolutely draining. And now, with the worst possible trip, as we go to Liverpool, who don't like us, always want to beat us, Liverpool fans don't like us. There's a rivalry there and Man United players are pulling out of this game left and right. We don't have Shaw, I don't think. We don't have Maguire. Bruno Fernandes got himself suspended, whether it be on purpose or by accident. And um, this is going to be horrible. It's, it's guaranteed it's going to be our third defeat in a row. I wonder if Man United are actually going to suffer five defeats in a row because I don't actually expect us to get anything from the game away to West Ham and the day after Christmas on Boxing Day we host Aston Villa who could potentially tear Manchester United to pieces. They have the potential to rip Manchester United to shreds so we could honestly be looking at five straight defeats and despite the fact that I do think that Ineos aren't going to do anything drastic until they come in and make a proper assessment of the club the first thing they could do is sack Eric Ten Hag if he suffers five straight defeats. So this game coming up against Liverpool is definitely going to be one. It's just a case of how you bet it. Because of the injuries, Liverpool, who had some value on the money line at 1-2, to two, minus 200, have now moved to 2-5. to five. Probably still some value there if you're looking at parlay piece, but I think there's a way we could just individually bet this game. It's 9-2 to two on the draw, and Man United are available at 7-1. to one. I wouldn't fucking take 50-1. to one. I would not take 50-1 to one on United. I would not waste a pound coin betting on these fucking shitbags this week. There's absolutely no way I would do it. I would not take 50 to 1 on Manchester United. So it's just simply a case of how do you make money from this game or money on this game betting on Liverpool? Well, I think this is really simple. Don't overthink it. Just simply take the Asian handicap line, Liverpool minus 1.5. Man United haven't scored at Anfield since 2018. Liverpool have just come here, uh, we've just come to Liverpool, sorry, and have routinely been beaten and they've routinely kept clean sheets 
en route to beating us. We we haven't scored a goal here since Jose Mourinho was the manager. I believe he was sacked immediately afterwards in a 3-1 defeat. So I can't even make a case for Man United scoring here, despite the fact that uh, Liverpool have conceded in 17 of their 24 competitive games so far this season. And the fact that you could argue Man United have been able to pack a punch at times in transition, I don't think that's going to be the case here. Liverpool have won all seven Premier League home games this season. They've won four of the last five meetings with Man United, who head into this game having lost three of the last four in all competitions. This is probably going to be three straight and it could get as bad as five straight defeats. Liverpool come into this one having scored exactly three goals on eight occasions this season. And given the fact that Bayern Munich beat us in second gear at Old Trafford and the fact that Bournemouth put three past us last weekend and it should have been four, it's very, very likely that Liverpool will be able to find three, four, maybe even five goals against United this weekend. United have conceded three or more goals nine times in 24 matches so far this season. Mo Salah comes into this game having scored 12 goals in 12 appearances against United and an incredible 11 of these have come in his last six meetings with United. He's almost guaranteed a goal. He's almost lockable as a goal scorer. You can almost lock Mo Salah to score at a price of 10 to 11 minus 110. But the fact is Liverpool head into this game with a 100% home record this season. Manchester United are an absolute dumpster fire. Manchester United are plagued with injuries. Casemiro hasn't made a big effort to come back. Harry Maguire's now injured, so we'll go into this game with um, Varane and Johnny Evans. Varane looks off the pace. Luke Shaw is probably going to be injured. Andre Nana is Andre Anana. Um, it doesn't matter who plays at right back. Liverpool are going to have a field day out wide. Liverpool are going to win the midfield battle as well. When you look at the fact, look at the fact that um, Slobberslie will be the best midfielder on the pitch based on form this season. You can't make a case for any of United's midfield. Even if Fernandez was playing, it wouldn't make a difference. But we're probably going in there with. Kobe, McTominay and Amrabat, I would think, would be the starters. Um, we pack no punch up front. We don't carry any threat. Rasmus Hoyland doesn't have a single league goal to his name. And now he's not even getting chances. My concern when you sign a new striker is, can he hit the round run? How Can he hit the ground running? Is he going to have the confidence to, to take chances? Will he lose confidence if he's not finding the back of the net? We've seen that at Liverpool with... Darwin Nunes, whose first season was was plagued with with misses, but at least he was getting the opportunities to score. It's more concerning when you have a player like Rasmus Hoyland, who's now not even getting the opportunities to score. We're not providing him with the chances to score. It's just toxic. It's just bad. And this weekend, I think it's going to get really, really bad. Now, I'm in a little bit of a difficult position here with the lock because I'm doing this show early because this is my favourite play of the weekend. Now, the lock I've already given out to my clients over at Lock Betting was Liverpool minus 1.25 on the Asian handicap line. Now, if Liverpool win this game by two goals, it's a winning bet or two or more goals. If the game is a draw, then it's a losing bet. Now, in with this bet, if Liverpool just win by one single goal, you lose half of your stake. If Liverpool win by two goals or more, you win. If Liverpool fail to win, you lose. But if Liverpool win by a single goal, it's a losing bet. 
but you only lose half of your money with minus 1.25. It's different to minus 1.5 because with minus 1.5, they have to win by two or more. And if they win by a single goal, it's still a losing bet. So you lose if they lose, you lose if they draw, and you lose if they only win by one goal. It's a two-goal win or more or nothing with minus 1.5. So my my clients have a different bet to you guys, but because of the line movement, I'm going to have to give you minus 1.5. Liverpool minus 1.5 on the Asian handicap line as your lock. Look, I'm not worried about it at all. Uh, I cannot make any case for Manchester United, this Manchester United team staying within two goals of Liverpool. The only feasible way it happens is if Manchester United go down a completely different route. We recognise that we don't have Bruno Fernandes in the team. We recognise that we have defensive issues and we just set up with a very, very anti-Manchester United strategy. We set up in a low block. We set up with a line of six or seven players just to contain Liverpool and we make ourselves very, very difficult to break down and we try to win this game on the counter-attack or via set-piece. We try to steal it. Either we steal it or it's damage limitation. We go in with a Sean Dyche, Sam Allardyce type approach to this game. If Manchester United do that, which they're probably better off doing, then maybe there's a possibility that we we steal something or we don't get beaten heavily here. But if it's Manchester United and they play the Manchester United way and they, and they try to press and they try to win the ball up high up the pitch and, and Ten Hag tries to do the Ten Hag things that these players are too lazy or too stupid or just not good enough to implement, then we are looking at a predictable massacre here. And the fact that Manchester United haven't scored a goal at Anfield for years puts us in a very strong position to cash the handicap off the bat. So, as much as I'm trying to find cases here as a supporter, the realist has to come through and the realist is always the, the best way to, to make money. I've never pulled any punches on this show going against Manchester United. I've never given a false assessment. I've never had supporter bias. Um, there are some podcasts, um, e- even on this network, that will blindly find ways to back their own team. I'm not about that. Um, I know this is going to be a very, very poor result at the weekend. This is going to be our third defeat in a row. What the scoreline is going to be, I can't tell you. Um, I don't know if Manchester United are going to make a contribution to the scoring. I don't expect them to, which means you only need Liverpool to score twice to cash this. But I'm looking at three or four, hopefully not seven like last season, but it wouldn't surprise me. Liverpool minus 1.5 on the Asian handicap line is your lock. And we take that at the price of 10 to 11 minus 110 here for this one. That's it for me and this very depressing episode of BetMUFC. Until next time, good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.